1: Welcome to The Stone Wolves, a Galactic Football League novella written by Scott Sigler and J.C. Hutchins, performed by Scott Sigler. The Stone Wolves is also available as a Kindle ebook from Amazon.com or as a full-length audiobook from Audible.com. To find links for those items, go to scottsiglercom Wolves, One word. Kamusta junkies. Here we are with the final episode of The Stone Wolves. I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. If you did, take some time to review The Stone Wolves on Goodreads and at Amazon and Audible if you can. Reviews help us a ton. Even when you're listening to the audiobook for free, reviews are golden and we appreciate it. Over the next two weeks, you will hear The Stone Wolves Q&A episodes. We usually have two hours worth of them when we do our live stream. If you want to participate in those live streams and hang out in a chat room with many, many dozens of junkies, watch A&I answer all the questions live, you want to tune into Sigler in Place, which is our live stream. They are on Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. The first round will be on Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. The second round will be Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Again, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can watch and participate in those live streams at twitch.tv slash scott sigler youtube.com slash scott sigler and facebook.com slash scott sigler we will take that audio put it in the feed for the podcast for the next weeks of the stonewolves and then after that we kick off the adult version of the rookie a book that has been lost to mankind for well over a decade the stonewolves q a episodes will run in this feed audio only sunday may 15 2022 sunday may 22nd 2022 And then, come Sunday, May 29th, 2022, we will launch the podcast of The Original Rookie. That's right. This is the non-YA version. This version contains a whole bunch of swears. It's the original one I podcast way back in the day when my writing career was just starting to take off. So, you might enjoy that, and it is not, not for the ears of children's. Not at all. In other news, I am halfway through the first draft of Shakedown the Crypt Book 1. I'm not to the ending yet, but I have a feeling it will be seriously slam-bang on par with the endings of Earthcore, Mount Fitzroy, and Nocturnal. In other words, Shakedown the Crypt Book 1, there is going to be lots and lots of violence. No story so far for the Stone Wolves this week. If you're here for episode 33, you know what went down. Now our characters say their goodbyes and try to come to grips with their new realities—realities realities that are not at all pleasant. Thank you for listening to the Stone Wolves, and I hope you enjoy the last episode. The rumpus room. His favorite chair. Home, sweet home. No laughter now. Mostly silence. Mostly sentient sitting there, reflecting on the fact that, somehow, they'd live to see another day. Aya sat in her recliner, doodling on the armrest, her feet up, a bottle of Miller lager pressed between her thighs, her right knee encased in a nanosite sleeve Beans had fabricated. The Mujic chair he made for her sat next to her recliner. Red sat on the left side of the couch. Bottle of miller Lager in his good hand, his ruined left arm in a sling similar to Aya's. Blank the Nameless sat on the couch's right. The little inventor himself was curled up on the middle cushion, clumps of hardened beige foam, spotting his black fur protecting the areas that had been scorched by falling magma. Scorched by falling magma. It sounded ridiculous, like something out of a bad Patooth the Muscular movie, and yet it had happened. Killian drained his beer. He set the empty in the cooler, pulled out a new one, opened it. It was his sixth. He was getting good and drunk, and he didn't give one wet damn about Aya's disapproving glare or Redwire's sad stare. Killian was giving up Nasdor, sure. But beer? No way. A man had to have at least one grace in the galaxy. Maybe he could hold his rage in check, but all the things he'd seen, he'd done, he'd lost. If drinking was his only escape from those things, he'd lean on that crutch until his arm went numb. Killing eased back into his tattered recliner. We got some gin in storage, he said to Blank. You sure you don't want a goodbye drink? The leader pressed his petty pelt fingertips together. No, thank you, Captain. I will be departing shortly, and I wish to have a clear head. I... I used to consume gin... frequently. Perhaps too frequently. The little leader was a recovering alcoholic. Well, the galaxy was full of unexpected events. Killian raised his beer bottle in a salute. Then cheers to you, my friend, he said. Everyone, a toast to Blank the Nameless. Redwire and Aya raised their bottles, raised them slowly. They were really beat up, as was Killian. Beans didn't salute because he'd already passed out. he drunk like there was no tomorrow. He let out little farts every few seconds. The farts stank. Killian didn't care. Zan's voice echoed from the speaker film. Aya, please report to hold two. The girl's amethyst skin paled, or at least the parts not marked by dark bruises did. One eye swollen partially shut, she looked at Killian. Hold two, she said. That's where Zan lives. Why does she want me to go there? Killian knew the answer, because Zan had told him what she wanted to do, and he had approved. She wants to meet with you, he said, in person, no schmeck, face to face, so to speak. Aya's eyes widened. So to speak? What does that mean? Killian shrugged. You'll find out soon enough. The girl swallowed, visibly and audibly. But you told me Zan saw no one, she said. Not ever. I lied. Beans and I have met her. Being a permanent crew member was one thing, Aya, but this, this is another level. For you, for Zan, for all of us. We're a family. You're going to know us, warts and all. Awkwardly, being careful with her damaged knee and cracked rib, wincing with every movement, Aya lowered her footrest and leaned forward. With a trembling hand, she put her beer bottle on the battered orange coffee table. Killian had doubted that Aya would understand the significance of Zan's gesture. He'd been wrong. The girl understood completely. No, not the girl. Aya was an adult. An adult who had had no one, no life, and now she had found her home. Apex, she said. She didn't sound apex. She sounded scared. Maybe she was now. But when she walked through the door to hold to, once she laid eyes on Zan, she would be far, far more so. Aya was about to learn one of the Oleran's deepest secrets. Zan's real name. Zantala, the Apocalypse. Aya was about to learn what only Beans and Killian knew. Zan was a quith queen. Aya leaned on the couch's armrest, worked her way into the Mujic chair. She tried not to show pain, but in her state, that was a lost cause. She'd refused the hardcore painkillers. Why, Killian didn't know, but that choice would now pay dividends. When one meets Zantala, the apocalypse in person, it's wise to have a clear head. Well, Aya said, I guess I'll go to hold too. Killian tipped the bottle toward Redwire and Blank. "'Say goodbye to them,' he said. "'They'll be gone by the time you're done.' Redwire stood, groaning as he did, doing an even worse job at hiding his pain than I had. He was all but sleeping in the rejuve tank and had come out only for this little get-together. His arm was ruined. The irony was lost on no one. Red had been arrested supposedly because he'd used mods that were illegal in the GFL. And now, when he would never play in the league again, he would need mods to use the arm for even the most basic functions, like eating or bathing. Yitzhak Goldman's football career was over. I'm really sorry about your injury, Aya said to him. Redwire smiled at her. I escaped with my life. That's enough for me. I wish you all the good fortune the universe has to offer. He waddled to her chair, leaned close to her. She hugged him. With his right arm, he hugged her back. He stood. Aya stared up at him. Back on Rugerk, You were willing to let Viren die, she said. You knew her far better than you will ever know me. You fought with her. You were in the Stone walls with her but you were willing to let her die to preserve your mission. When Thorn had me by the neck, you could have shot him. You would have hit me, but you'd have stopped him. You didn't shoot. Why? Why would you put yourself and your mission at risk to save me when you wouldn't do it for Viden? A question Killian had been wondering himself. He'd planned on asking Redwire that when they got a moment alone, but Aya had done what Aya did got to the point. I think you still have a role to play, Redwire said to her. Something more important than you can know at this time. And no, I'm not going to say what that is. You of all people, Rara Avis, know the value of operational security. Aya blinked, seemed to think that over. Killian thought she would press Red on that oh-so-mysterious comment, but she did not. Instead, She looked over at the quith leader. Good luck, Blank. You saved my life. You saved all our lives. Thank you. Perhaps our trajectories will intersect in the future, the leader said. I envy you your position here. I hope you treasure it. Aya nodded. She started to roll her lopsided yet smooth-moving chair out of the rumpus room, stopped, rolled back, grabbed her beer off the orange table, then headed for the exit. Killian watched her go. He wished he could be there to see her reaction, but meeting Zantala the Apocalypse was a very personal thing. Blank, Killian said. Please go to Hold 3. It's time for you to leave. I need a word in private with my oldest friend. The leader's eye remained mostly clear, although a few curls of pink danced across it. You are certain you are not going to kill me? This was the third time he had asked that question. Blank might be many things, but stupid wasn't one of them. Not after what you did on MT-734, Killian said. I have a policy of not killing the sentients who keep me alive. Call me a hopeless romantic. That said, you make sure you keep your word. If you don't, well... Then as much as it saddens me, all bets are off. The pink curls whirled faster, then vanished. Quith eyes, always so strange. I have no secret to keep, Blank said. I am Tuluk the Fortunate, and I will spend my days carefully managing my newfound wealth. I wish you safe travels. With that, the leader left the rumpus room.
0: Shopify.com slash realm.
1: To luck the fortunate, Killian said, raising an eyebrow at Redwire. That is real name. Or did you make that up for him? Red nodded. I made it up. The real him needs to be thought dead and gone, like the rest of the Mercs on MT-734. To luck rhymes with luck, And that is one lucky little leader. As for the fortunate, it's spot on, considering the amount of money I'll get him once I reconnect with the Guild. And once he tells everything he knows, which, from chatting with him on the way here, isn't all that much. Still, Tuluck won't have to take another sketchy piloting gig anytime soon. Red paused. Seemed uncomfortable. This, too, was a conversation that had already happened three times. You gave me your word, Killian said. I will hold you to it. Red side stared up at the rumpus room's low ceiling. He knows who you are, killer. He knows the names of your crew. He's a pilot, so odds are he can give specific details about the Oleran. Leaving him alive is a bad call. Killian nodded. It was a bad call. It was also the right call. We'd be dead if not for him, he said. Red, I've seen enough death in my day. And stop calling me killer. I'm not that guy anymore. Red's eyes narrowed, and he looked at Killian, searching, thinking. I hope you're wrong about that, Red said. Because what I told I is true, and you know it. Soon... We're going to need the killer. Killian wanted to argue, but he could not. Not after what he'd seen. Speaking of the coming cataclysm and all, Killian said, eager to change the subject. Have you arranged transport for that damned doomsday device sitting in Hold 5? Red looked away. He took in a deep breath, let it out slow. Killian felt a sinking sensation. You're not leaving that here, he said. No shucking way, Red. It's only for a little while, killer. I mean, Killian. Anger flared, but it wasn't the same kind of anger that Killian had felt so many decades, the kind that brought the urge to attack, to destroy. He didn't know why, or if it would last, but the killer was truly gone. And that felt incredible. You told me, You would get it out of here, Red. That's the only reason I didn't inject it into the void along with that truck. I lied. Look, I need to make sure that I can put together the right people to study that thing. Make sure we're completely clean of Armada influence. I can't take it to a government, or the Armada will find out. I don't have anywhere to put it right now. Three crunchers got away. Do I need to remind you of the threat that those pose? Killian wanted to throw the beer bottle at his old comrade. No, you don't have to remind me, you ass. That planet of fire is not something I'm soon going to forget about. The Cruncher in your hold is the only piece of Abanesia tech we have, Red said. You are a smuggler. This ship, even as ugly as it is now, is still faster than almost anything out there. And if you get into trouble, you've got the double punch. On top of that, Zan's ability to change the ship's ID is the final piece. Right now, the Oleran is the safest place for the bomb in the entire galaxy. The Fat Bottom Girl was in need of a makeover. That was for certain. Flying through a wall of molten magma hadn't done much for her looks. One more expense added to the long, long list of them. The pocket carrier never saw the Oleran. Red said. Aside from you, Aya, Zan, and Beans, no one knows the Cruncher is here. No one knows you're involved. No one except me and Tuluk. That last bit was a threat. A subtle one, but a threat nonetheless. Redwire was using Tuluk as a bargaining chip. You gave me your word, Killian said. And I'll keep it. Within reason. I'll set Tuluk up for life, but I will have him watched. If he does anything stupid, tries to go back to his old life, if he tries to contact the Vermada, you know what I have to do. Killian couldn't argue with that. Hopefully, the leader was as smart as he seemed. Why did Killian give a damn? The leader was a stranger. A stranger who had worked for the shucking Vermada. In the grand scheme of things, did the life of one more stranger really matter? Yes, it did. When someone saves your life, you need to be ready to return the favor. All right, Killian said. I'll hold on to the cruncher. For now. Red smiled in appreciation. Thank you, he said. I won't tell anyone in the guild. The fewer who know, the better. This may sound dramatic but the fate of the galaxy depends on it. And, honestly, I don't know why you don't just make Tuluck part of your crew. He clearly wants to join. Seems like you'd have a use for him. The leader hadn't tried to hide his desire to sign on with the Oleran. Considering what he'd seen Killian do, that seemed an odd choice, but sentients were odd creatures. It would have been nice to add the leader. He was an outcast. He would fit right in. But it could not be risked. If Tuluk found out what Zan was, if he found out that Killian, Beans, and now Aya had laid eyes on Zan, the leader would do everything in his power to kill them. Such was the way of the quith. It wouldn't work out, Killian said. I can tell. Red simply nodded. You told Aya she has a role to play, Killian said. What did you mean by that? She's my crewmate and I will protect her. Red thought for a moment, as if debating whether he should speak. When the time comes, there is no protecting someone like her, he said. Aya will fight. She asked why I saved her. I didn't just save her, I also saved Rara Avis. I believe her ability to communicate the truth will be a critical element in unifying the sentience of the Milky Way against the corrupt elements of their own governments and against the enemy that will soon arrive on our shores. I've been around a long time, Killian. So have you. That woman's abilities with comms are unparalleled in my experience. In short, what Quentin Barnes is to football, she is to Signal's intelligence. Killian let out a low, long whistle. That was really saying something, and he didn't disagree in the least. I think even that is an understatement, he said. She's not the Quentin Barnes of her field. He's the Aya Omiata of his. Redwire smiled, nodded. Don't tell her what I said, all right? Not yet. She's a secret weapon. I don't want that weapon accidentally revealing itself, if you know what I mean. Killian did know. He couldn't seem to stop Aya, or Rara, actually, from radcasting. She probably wouldn't say anything, but she would research. She would ask others to poke around in various areas. Any of those things could set off alarms within the ZG. Alarms which might make them look for the person doing the asking. Better to have this secret shared only between the stone wolves. For now. I won't say a thing, Killian said. She's already full of herself. The last thing I need is for her to think she's going to be a key player in saving the galaxy. The time had come to say goodbye. Killian stood. We're the only two left. The last of the stone wolves. Redwire smiled again, this time with more mischief. A throwback to the teenage hotshot pilot Killian had known so long ago. Wrong, he said. I'm the only one left. Didn't you just tell me you're not the killer anymore? Hidden in that smile, or perhaps not so hidden, was a promise. Someday, perhaps soon, Redwire would need the killer again. And when that happened, he would come a-calling. And the killer would have to answer that call. Then here's to you, Killian said. To Redwire. The last of the Krizatu. The last Stone Wolf. Redwire reached out his one good arm, pulled Killian in for a hug. Killian hugged him back. They had been through so much together, seen so much loss, given so much of their lives. Redwire truly was his oldest friend. I'm gonna miss you, Red said. I love you, my brother. Killian felt tears coming. He didn't fight them. He thumped his friend twice on the back. I love you too, brother. And I will miss you. Killian tilted his head toward the sleeping beans. So will he. Redwire laughed. (laughs) He'll be okay. How many devotees get to hang out with their godling and see a world destroyed? Just keep him inventing things. Between him, Aya, and Zan, there's no telling what they can do. Wasn't that the truth? I'd tell you to stay safe, Killian said. But we know that won't happen. Good luck in your fight. Redwire stepped back. He reached into a pocket, pulled out the velvet bag Killian had given him. No, Killian said. You need those more than I do. For the cause. For the cause. Had he really just said those cliché words? Maybe that was an automatic thing, brought on by memories of fighting the good fight with the rest of the stone wolves. Red shook the gems into his palm. Seven of them. He put four white ones back in the bag, then held out his hand to Killian. One black and two red stones sparkled. Take them, he said. You have bills, remember? Not to mention, you haven't paid your crew in months. Yeah, Aya told me. So did beans, for that matter and your fat-bottomed girl took one hell of a beating. She looks like a flying cinder. You're storing a big asset for us, so you need to make this ship less conspicuous. Fix her up. For the cause. Calean had thought about the gems, decided he wanted nothing to do with Fanaka's blood money. Red was an escaped prisoner. He couldn't exactly tap into bank accounts. The man needed money to survive. But then again... So did Killian. So did Aya and Beans and Zan. Take them, Red said. I'm leaving, but I will be in touch. Sooner or later, we're going to need the Oleran to serve the cause. Your fat bottom girl needs to be in top shape. Killian took them. And please spend some of it on fixing the leak in here, Red said. This place smells like a soggy basement. Killian looked at the gemstones in his hand. They were big enough that he could feel their weight. Other than babysitting the biggest shucking bomb anyone has ever seen, what, exactly, do you think the Oleran is going to do for the cause? I don't know yet, Red said. A big challenge is finding the Abanessian fleet. We don't know if the Prowat know where it is, if anyone knows. It's going to take a special ship to go out past the galaxy's edge and hunt for them. The Ulrun is special, but not that special. She can't punch beyond the galaxy's edge. Although... He trailed off as the face of an old friend flashed in his thoughts. An old friend from the Keeling. Although what? Red said. Do you think the Ulrun could do that? Maybe with a new Beans invention? Keeling wouldn't put it past Beans. The sentient's brilliance seemed to know no bounds. But it was a hell of a thing to ask him to go way beyond what physics said was possible. Still, the Abernessia seemed to be able to do it, and with the Cruncher, Beans would be able to study that tech. Maybe he can, Killian said. But that's not what I was thinking of. I might have someone I can ask. Red's eyebrows raised. You gonna tell me who? No, I'm not, Killian said. You, of all people know the value of operational security. Red grinned, shook his head. He gripped Killian's shoulder again, then left the rumpus room. Red and Tuluk would soon be out of the ship. As for Killian Carbonaro, he was done with the fight. At least for now. Oleron, he said. Put the latest Galaxy Bowl on the tank. I hear that Ionath quarterback is almost as good at what he does as my comms expert isn't what she does, but I have my doubts. The hola tank came to full color life. Inside it, perfectly timed, it seemed, was the intense, dark skinned face of one Quentin Barnes. Killing and drained his beer, put the empty back in the ice, drew a fresh one from his cooler. He opened it, let his battered body relax into the recliner.
0: Beans, my friend,
1: Let's get drunk and watch some football. Beans farted. Killian smiled and winced at the smell. It stank, but he didn't mind. He didn't mind at all. Aya stood outside hold two. She hadn't drunk any more of the beer. The bottle was warm in her hand. She had never seen Zan. Not the real Zan. The very Schmecks, sure. And those felt so real, it was like being with Zan, interacting with her. This? This felt different. This was different. This was more than being part of the crew. Skipper had been right about that. This was acceptance. From this moment on, unless Aya messed it up, which might happen, she had to be honest with herself, she would be an equal part of the crew. Not just in shares or pay, when there wasn't any pay, everyone was equal, but in spirit. Aya set the bottle down next to the door. She pressed the comm button on the wall. Zan, you wanted to see me? Instantly, Zan's voice sounded from the corridor's speaker film. Yes, and please tell me that you are not going to leave that bottle there as if my area were a trash repository. Aya's face felt hot. You've been watching me out here? Of course, Zan said. For how long? The entire time, Zan said. Just because you do not see a schmeck does not mean I'm not watching. We are one team, one unit, and we listen to each other. Do you not know by now that on the Oleran there is no privacy? Aya snorted. <laughs> Sure, except for you and your private quarters. Which you are about to see, Zan said. If you are ready. Aya's fingers and toes tingled. I don't know that I am, she said. I want to be, but, well, I don't really know what's going on in my head right now. I'm a little overwhelmed. There was a pause. Aya waited. Wondering why she'd blurted that out. Why she'd admitted a weakness. If you are going to truly be part of this crew, you need to know who I am, Zan said. You need to know what I am. I will not lie, Aya Omiyata. What you are about to see will change what you think of me. It will change you. It is not something that can be unseen. If you still wish to enter, I would be honored by your presence. Now, do you think you are ready to truly be a part of the Oleron family? Doing this would change Aya? Hell, in the past three months, what hadn't changed her? The League of Planets and the Fafner Project had stolen her childhood. They'd taken everything from her, turned her into a weapon. That was the past. The Oleran and Skipper and Beans and Zan, that was the future. Aya's future. Yes, she said. I am honored and I am ready. The heavy click of a thick lock retracting. The doors of Hold 2 slid apart, revealing a small room. An ancient-looking couch on the right, an end table next to it with a brass lamp atop, light glowing from within a fringed, tan lampshade. On the left, a nook where Zan's walking Schmeck stood, motionless and recharging. On either side of the Schmeck, clear cabinets filled with dozens of stuffed animals, as well as rolls of duct tape, fasteners, and sewing supplies. The room looked like something out of a period piece holo. Just past the couch and cabinets, a black wall. No, not a wall. A curtain. From behind it, the sound of slowly dripping water, an echoing plink, plink, plink. Welcome, Aya. That wasn't the voice I heard emanating from a Schmeck's speaker film. This voice was deep, deep and gritty the kind that would tear a human throat to shreds. Zan's real voice. Enter, and please step through the curtain so we can finally meet face to face. That voice should have scared Aya from head to toe, because there was something primal about it, something predatory. But it didn't scare her, because it was Zan's. And Zan was family. Aya let out a short, huffing breath, then stepped into the room. As she pushed past the black curtain, the cargo hold doors slid shut behind her. You have been listening to The Stone Wolves, a GFL novella written by Scott Sigler and J.C. Hutchins, performed by Scott Sigler. Follow Scott on Twitter and at Instagram, where he is at Scott Sigler, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. The Stone Wolves was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg, copyright 2021 Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song Battle Cry by the band Super Weapon.